The Anton Savage Show Saturday with Nifty Business on News Talk. I always use this as a moment of personal indulgence for Brian to give me the guidance to how to be a better horticulturalist in the sense of how to keep anything alive for more than 12 and a half seconds. I got given a plant over Christmas, Brian. Okay. It's a plant that seems to have predominantly dry soil. It's got long green leaves. They're, it's all leaf. There's nothing else to it. It's just long pointy green leaves, green in the middle, yellowy around the outside. And it comes with a whole load of little hieroglyphics that I think mean uh, you water it about once a month and it likes 15 degrees and partial sun. Okay. And it has a name like Aspergillus or something like that. But I think that's a, a lung infection. Okay, could be Sansevieria. That's so what it is. Sansevieria, yeah. Snake, snake plant. How do I keep it alive? Um, how do you keep it alive? Keep, keep it, like you say, in very moderate temperatures, 13 to about 17 degrees. Don't overwater it. Keep it well away from direct heat sources. Keep it well out of direct sunlight. Light, a nice bright spot, but not strong direct sunlight. Keep it away from strong direct heat and water very sparingly. And I can keep it indoors for its life. It'll keep, be happy. Keep it indoors. I would rejuvenate the compost every so often. You know, like, you know, it'll be in a pot and it'll, it'll deplete that compost over time, as any plant in a pot will. Like the nutrients in that compost will, will slowly deplete as the, as, the, as the plant is doing its thing, as it's surviving. So every so often, just change out the compost. How, like lift the plant out and put lift new stuff in? Lift the plant out, put new stuff in. And if you want, pot it up. If you're, if, you're, if you're changing the pot and you want to put up, if you're concerned that it's getting a bit big for the pot that it's in, the rule of thumb is about a third. So if it's in a 10 litre pot, go up to a 15 litre pot, that type of thing. So change out about a third of the compost and move up in size to the tune of about a third again proportionately. And when you say don't overwater it, does that mean that you how do you judge whether or not you're overwatering? Put put your finger down into the top of the compost, push your finger down to about a depth of about an inch and if your finger is moist when it gets down to that depth, if it's reasonably moist, there's enough water in it. Oh like checking a cake? Yeah. If your finger is dry, if your finger comes back out dry it needs a drop of water. Tech saying all leaves are falling off my indoor plants. Leaves are going yellow most leaves are on the floor. Please help. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it, it, must remember indoor plants again are, are are seasonal. They have seasonality. So, like as as light levels fall, I mean, up to Even the though they're in a fairly constant temperature environment. Inside yeah, the house. but it's the light levels have a, have a big impact on them. Like you think about on the the period up to December twenty first, we're only getting about seven and a half eight hours sunlight a day, you know, so everything kind of shuts down. All those physiological processes close down. The plant sh- the plant shuts down now. Allied to that, one of the big issues with indoor plants is some of the things we could talk about here constantly. Overwatering, too close to direct heat. Um, things like, obviously, in the wintertime, you're lighting a stove. There could be a range going. There could be radiators blasting. If the indoor plant is too close to those direct heat sources, it's not going to like it, you know? Um, again, too close to direct because sunlight. because it gets too hot or it doesn't like fluctuating heat and cold? Yeah, it doesn't like those fluctuations. It likes a moderate, even consistent level in around 13 to 17 degrees, if you can keep it, keep it at that level. Overwatering is a big, is a big problem. Um, so all of these things kind of combine to make indoor plants a little bit temperamental over this time of the year you know like anything so don't panic don't overwater it keep it away from a heat source give it a bit of light and keep your fingers crossed exactly exactly another one saying how can I keep my Christmas poinsettia thriving what's the story with poinsettia at Christmas why does everybody get give them it's just one of those seasonal plants isn't it it's like skimmia it's like not uh, native is it no it's not poinsettia is actually native to Mexico so again, it's one of those plants that's become very synonymous with Christmas. It looks brilliant on displays. It looks brilliant on the Christmas table, on the bureau or whatever around Christmas, the beautiful, big, red, vibrant leaves. It's a shrub. 
Now, if you want to keep it, again, we have this tendency to just, when, when Christmas comes and goes, to just compost it. Well, that's it. It's job done, you know. But you can keep it. You can nurture it. They're temperamental. They need a very specific pruning regime. They need to be pruned twice a year. Again, same story. Don't overwater them. They're, um, they're, they're a, a warm weather plant. They like very free draining sandy soil. Need to be pruned and need to be minded. And they need, a, again, need a constant temperature. Their native range is Mexico. So if they drop below 13, 14 degrees, it's curtains, you know. Uh, one saying, hiya, what should I feed a very large lemon geranium? Is, now, is that instance, is lemon a colour in that or is that... Yeah. So it's yellow geranium. Yeah, exactly. So again, you can't be, for any kind of general feeding, for anything that blooms or anything that fruits or anything that blossoms, you can't be tomato feed as an all-round feed because it's got a beautiful blend of, again, what we call the macronutrients, you know, your potassium, your phosphorus, your nitrogen. So liquid feed, tomato feed, mix it up, follow the directions on the little one litre tub, lash it into it a couple of times a year. And you can overdo it, can't you? You can overdo it, yeah, you can burn it, you can over-fertilise pretty much like like anything you can overdo. Even with pelleted fertiliser outside, you can overdo it. So again, do it sparingly, follow the directions on the tub and you can't go wrong. Text saying, I was given about 20 by 4 foot, so I think it's 20 foot by 4 foot laurels with soil on the roots and they've been out of the ground since October as my ground was not ready, it's a new build. If I plant them, will they grow? And what should I put in with them to help them grow? Does that mean these 20 foot tall laurels that are I'd say he's about? probably could be talking about 20, 20 linear feet. Like it's oh, going to cover a total length. Four yeah. feet laurels. Oh, okay. Now I'd say right. they're four feet tall. And he's, it sounds like they were root balls, um, which means that they were dug straight from the growing field with soil attached. Now, usually when you get root ball plants like that, there's hessian or burlap or a bit of wire wrapped around them to keep the root, root system intact. Again, they've been dormant. They've been dug out up in the dormant season. They've been out, and laurel are tough as old boots. They'll rebound, you know, so they can take any sort of rough treatment. If, if they get into the ground now, they'll be absolutely fine. They'll rebound. Do they but need anything the, when they're going in? Should you fertilise the ground? No, I mean, that, that practice has kind of been discredited over the years. It used to be a thing, when I was learning my trade, we used to always put organic matter in with whatever you plant. But the thinking is now that, bit more tough love for plants. You kind of you spoil a plant and you discourage the root system from developing it, from developing if you have it immersed in lovely, cosy, warm compost. The plant is less inclined to establish itself. You're spoiling the plant. Tough love, Anton. You reminded me of a thing I read over Christmas that I wanted to ask you about. I read a thing that says, when you plant, the tradition was that you dig a circular hole because it's easy to dig a circular hole. Yeah. But if you do that, the roots come out and it's like the wall of death on a motorcycle. They find yeah. the soil and they go round in a ball. Whereas if you dig a square hole, they get to a corner and they push their way into the new soil. Is this a myth or is it true? That is true. The planting pit, they call it. Like, again, back in the day when I was learning my trade, it was all about the circular planting pit. But you, you encourage roots to circle because if you dig a square pit within, you strip the vegetation in a circle, strip the grass, do your radius, strip the grass. But then within that circle, do dig a square pit. When, exactly as you say, when the roots arrive at that square wall, they've no choice but to find their way in. If they hit a circle, they can just slowly girdle or slowly circle and not establish themselves. Because they'll be turned by the different compaction of soil. Is that what it is? They find the harder soil and think, that's hard work, I'll turn left. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. A text, uh, this is a very broad philosophical text saying, what are your thoughts on indoor trees? Indoor trees. Um, my thoughts on indoor plants in general are very, very positively predisposed to the whole lot of them. I mean, I just love them. I mean, again, what kind of tree we have you put indoors, and I'll though? tell you why. Because the way our architecture has changed over the last generation, we've all been bananized, right? So we all, um, <laughs> we 
<laughs> we all love big windows and open plan. <laughs> we all love these big open plan spaces. So we've plenty of room. We have high walls. We've high ceilings. We've double height spaces. These spaces are perfectly conducive to indoor planting, large indoor planting. We're not just talking about little palms. You know, you can plant ivy up walls. You can plant big shrubs. Indoors. Yeah, big choicey as evergreen shrubs indoors. Absolutely. Big pots, big containers. Why not? The room Are they is difficult there. to maintain and is there an ideal tree if you're going for an indoor tree? I would, I would plant the choicey. Choicey is like, a, is like a, a, a large shrub, small tree. It can be trained to kind of resemble a tree, that the habit of a tree, but it, it's, it's essentially a shrub. I find them a really good. I have one in my own, my own house at home in the open plant space where we have our little, you know, kitchen, diner and sitting room. You know, the typical, typical setup that we've all gone for over the last number of years. I've one in the corner of, uh, there in that setting and it absolutely loves it. It's making way up the corner. And it's perfect. You mentioned ivy. I was under the impression that you didn't want to let ivy within an ass's roar of your brickwork because it would wreck everything. Well, again, it's, it's like anything. If you keep an eye on it, like ivy on the outside of a, of a building is fine as long as you can keep it cut up. You know where it, re- it arrives at a point up at the soffit and next thing it disappears into the soffit, it's doing untold damage inside in the roof, making its way down your roof joists and your rafters. You don't know what's going on. But oftentimes, if you have a maintenance regime whereby you just cut it before it enters the soffit, it's just clinging to the masonry. Again, depending on the masonry itself, like if it's good, robust, heavy plaster, What's the harm? It's just got those adventitious roots. They're like little suckers. They adhere to the plaster. They're not doing any harm. Yeah, they look like little caterpillar feet. Yeah, exactly. But if there is a crack in the plaster, that's your problem because they've worked their way through. They can work their way through. But if you have a, a reasonably recently built house and it's good, robust cladding on it, I mean, there's not a problem. Tech saying, I got a gift of a cactus for Christmas. How often should I want? I'd say you'd want to be brave to give somebody a cactus for Christmas. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That's Yo, a gift. Maybe that could you be want taken to reevaluate that relationship. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, now that they have this cactus, how do they mind it? Well, again, the mantra of this morning is water sparingly. I mean, what's a cactus's natural range? Southwest US, you know, those very, very arid, hot desert regions, you know. So try and replicate those conditions. Very, very sandy soil, very gritty soil. You don't want, you don't want to be setting a, a, a cactus up in anything that's too organic, too heavy in compost, too heavy in clay material. They want really free-draining, sandy, gritty soil and water very sparingly. And I assume keep them inside where it's warm. They won't like the outside. Not at all, no. no. This is one close to my own heart. We keep a number of succulents on our bathroom window. I don't know what a succulent is, but you can explain this. But they have recently attracted fruit flies. Is there anything I can do to deter the flies? Fruit flies are a complete pain. Fruit flies are a pain, but this time of the year they shouldn't be as prevalent as they are, late, but will be later in the, in the season, in the spring and summer. But a simple soapy water spray. Get yourself a spray bottle, get yourself down to Woody's, into the garden centre, pick up a little spray bottle, Mix up a detergent and water mix and just keep the succulent and around the base of it sprayed and that should deter them. What's a succulent? A succulent is like an alpine plant. It's a really, it's, a, it's like a miniature, it's a plant that will grow above the tree line in its natural range. So it'll grow on rocks, it'll grow above the tree line. It's just a plant that will survive on very, very little. Doesn't, doesn't really need much in the way of nutrients, in much in the way of feed, just a very low maintenance, easy to manage plant. Can you buy ladybirds? Can you buy them? Yeah. Uh, possibly. I couldn't be certain now. 
You're talking we, about as as a, as a weed as a yeah, pest as, control. As a pest control, yeah, because I believe they're very good for aphids and green fly and all that. Like. Very good for aphids and ladybirds and things like lacewing. Um, really good for uh, we we call them cultural controls. So anything that involves a biological control, a companion plant, or something that is a natural predator of the aphid, is a cultural control. So it, it's getting us away from chemical control for pests and diseases. Final thing, a question that I suspect is on a lot of people's minds. When should I start going back out to the garden to plant? Today. <laughs> no, listen, we're in the middle. you seen the weather today, Brian. We're in the middle of bare root season. There's, we're still, there's still lots of bare root planting you can do. Hedging trees, shrubs, lots of things that you can plant bare root. You don't necessarily have to wait until the weather picks up. We're in dormant season. You can do an awful lot of planting right now, as long as the ground isn't frozen. And we've had a thaw this morning, so for the coming week... Prime time, get out there. And you can stick it in, leave it dormant, and then when the weather improves, it'll do its own thing. It'll do its own thing, exactly. Brian, as always, it has been a revelation. Brian Burke, uh, RT Super Garden Judge, Woody's DIY and Garden Expert, and of course, our red- resident gardening expert. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday. With Nifty Business. Saturday morning at nine. On News Talk.